I am Liz Wright. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. The only thing that matters now is living by the power of this wonderful new creation life. We're going to become an undefeatable force of radiating glory and we are rising up strong now in this hour. Hi family, welcome to Live Your Best Life with me, Liz Wright, and I am very excited about today's conversation. I have on with me today a very special woman of God. She is a British journalist, fellow Brit, who lives in America a lot of the time. She's a pastor, she's a podcast show host, she's a successful author, an activist, and her new book which is absolutely incredible. I'm going to get her to talk about it today. I've been reading it and it's absolutely gripped me. It's called me higher. It's called The Noble Renaissance. And it's honestly, it's such a timely message. Well, I think it's a movement, really. I think it contains a movement. The message is so important and it's so accessible and so empowering. So with all of that said, I just want to honour and welcome into the conversation with me today, Carrie Lloyd. Carrie, welcome. Hi. Oh, it's so lovely. It's so lovely to talk to you with a fellow British accent. I know. I'm so used to talking <laughs> America. So people are just going to be switching. I get sometimes all the time on my podcast. And you might get the same too, Liz, where people go, you know, I love listening to your podcast. I I, I play it and I go to sleep listening. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to go to sleep. about our accents. And I was thinking about you going, I bet you get the same. <laughs> I, do. I do regularly. I have had so many people carry over the last few years, particularly saying, I go to sleep with you every night, just snuggled up listening to your your British dulcet tones. <laughs> there is well, a compliment for thank you. you. <laughs> I'm glad people are getting peace. Having me on the show, really uh-huh. oh, it's just a joy. It's, it's a joy. I actually, for for everybody watching around the world, I just wanted to start by reading just a tiny extract from your book, just to give a taste Mm. of what this is about, and then just dive in and ask you a couple of questions. Love this, where you say, nobility, of course, it's a noble renaissance, right? So nobility is letting heaven have a stronger presence in the smallest of moments. So it's available for all of us, right? I just love it. I love it. And then no matter your background, your creed, your race, or your preferences, the jaw-dropping unique influence of the noble character is profound. Just amazing. It's just, see what I mean? It's really inspirational. I keep reading it and going, this is who we are. Oh my goodness. This is what's possible out of our lives. You know, whether we're the next Gandhi or where, you know, whether we're seen or we're unseen, whether we're called to, we're here for great movements or we're not, you know, every moment matters. And that's one of the things you get out of this book is you realize how significant each one of us is and every choice we make, you know, can change. We don't know who we're influencing and we're moving the heart of God as we're living our life this way. So I just think right now, particularly when the world is in such a state and time is times are difficult for so many of us, this is just, uh, it's a roadmap of how we can do life well in the midst of 
really challenging times. So just finishing, just finishing, I wanted to read this little bit because I actually read this and started crying. <laughs> so I've been crying and laughing a lot through the book as well, Carrie. <laughs> but just, just reading this little bit. There are thousands of stories like this. For example, the man who donated 200,000 air miles to strangers so they could go home to their families for Christmas. The Buffalo firefighters who carried a man 10 blocks to Mercy Hospital, note the name, because the ambulance saving this man from a heart attack got stuck in a blizzard. This is where I cried, actually. This one, this next one really moved me. The family who welcomed a, welcomed a deaf baby into the world and discovered that 20 of their neighbours learned sign language before the baby's arrival. A teenager who saved up for two years to buy his friend a wheelchair. <clears throat> and arguably, who wouldn't save a baby deer from a swimming pool? On many occasions, we have instinctive responses towards doing good. But then there are the out-of-the-way, gut-wrenching choices that will cost us, sometimes our lives. That's nobility. The choice to do something we don't have to do, but something greater than us that urges us to push beyond our capacity. If eternity is set in the heart of man, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it can certainly show in the most chaotic, most adverse circumstances. We insist, this is profound, we assist in making all things good by making noble choices in co-laboring with God. In our personal response to chaos or darkness, we get to reflect eternity outward to the secular world. I purposely haven't talked about this book for a bit because I always like to... Uh -uh. I wanted to just save it until I was speaking to you because I like having a break of a month or two and then coming back to talk about it to see if there's any new revelation and, and mm -hmm. equally more of a distance to be able to look back and go, what really gripped me about the story? Yeah. I was brought up religious and, um, and my parents were kind, beautiful, wonderful Christians and noble in their own right. Um, so I was inspired by my own parents at first. But as I got older, I, you know, I lost my father at 23. I went through a lot of death. And I was also experiencing a lot of religion. And when I say religion, I use it in the negative context, in the sense of a lot of legalism, a lot of rules, that um, was a difficulty for me in uh, finding the compassion, the mercy, the understanding of people in their mess. And so I would often find noble people that weren't believing in the Lord. <laughs> and I would find people that weren't necessarily noble that believed in the Lord. And so what I found myself doing, a lot of these people would go, well, what would Jesus do? which is a great question to ask until you start miscontextualizing it for your own needs to be met. And what I would do is use the whole, what would Jesus do? And then I would miscontextualize it. And essentially I would do something that Jesus wouldn't do in the end of the day because I was miscontextualizing it. If I asked the question, what's the noble choice? The noble choice is always the harder choice normally. It normally requires more self-sacrifice. And it actually also made me more accountable to what Jesus would actually do. And so I became obsessed, and I had been all my life, really, on noble character. I'd watch a film and break every time I would see someone not only just give up their life, but choose the harder path rather than the easier path. And I really believe that, you know, when I started, can I moved over to California, and I was inspired by church moving over here. It was led by a pastor that was very noble, very kind, full of being able to see the very goodness in everyone else when I been witnessing so many churches fight with each other 
on what was right and what was wrong, as opposed to taking noble action to unify, to come together, to actually take, take care of the orphans and the widows, uh, the social justice movements that were often being taken care of by other people that didn't believe in God. And so what I wanted to do was challenge the church going, this was actually our call to be noble. The problem is we've, mis we've misread nobility as perfect. And mm, I'm not looking important. for perfect. Yeah, and that's, that's I think really it's actually important. been, I think people have been nervous to buy the book is thinking, gosh, I don't really need to be told what else I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I don't need to be told where I'm getting it out of out of hand. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling enough as it is. But actually, uh, the, the noble quest for me was looking at stories, reciting these stories that would be teaching mechanisms for other people to recognize actually we're not looking for perfect we're looking for humble we're looking for integral we're looking for um when we do make mistakes how we clean up the mess you know because we are human we will get it wrong and i was really nervous about writing the book because i was worried that writing about nobility meant that i would have to be noble all the time <laughs> and that's a lot of pressure but if we can create ourselves to be students of the subject rather yeah. than so it's like fitness health really where where you know we all see these fantastic sort of greek adonises that we'd like to look like but but that feels that feels impossible you know to, yeah, to start yeah. from where we might be starting from but if we go step by step on every single day there is always a, a moment of opportunity there's not a day that goes without it in our lives where we can go what would be the noble choice in this interaction, in this moment, in this ability to gift to someone that is a forethought? They're not asking to be loved, but we have the opportunity to love them in a moment. And I would say I've seen more conversions of people coming to the Lord. I've seen more evangelism take place in people's acts of kindness and nobility than actually preaching the gospel. And essentially the acts of nobility are the, the modeled way of evangelism as far as I'm concerned. And I, I want us to get back to being famous for loving well. Yeah. And I think for as long as in this year, you know, we've been witnessing some of these hardships. And one of the chapters in the book is perseverance mm. and injustice. Is another mm. one, how we're righteous in unjust, in just moments. If we can find these as opportunities to really model what nobility looks like, then we actually start to really glorify our, our Lord in the way that we were hoping to in the first place yeah it's so beautiful what you share and it's so life-changing it reminds me of a quote uh, by uh, Francis of Assisi you know preach the gospel use words if you have to you know we can yes revealing the nature of Jesus aren't we in those in those every moments and I love I love your humility in the book Carrie Carrie you know and you because you're being so honest and real about the process you know obviously you were it you went through like you say a season of such loss and I know in the book you share about the fires that happened in Reading in California when you were living there and yeah. just walking through some intense stuff and becoming sick and you know and the squeeze of the pressure and the pain and what it brings up inside of us in those moments hey I will you share a little bit more about that about what you went through because you wrestled with your in your inner world through that season didn't you yeah Gosh, it just felt like it was one of those seasons that I'm like, could anything go right at this moment in time? All the areas that could go wrong were going wrong. Health, finances, sickness, 
relationships even just everything was changing you know when the fires happened we lost a huge part of our community because we couldn't build house houses fast enough again I was very lucky to keep mine but I lost a lot of friends that left and moved into different cities across America because you know they they didn't want to wait yeah for a new house in a year's time so um it's interesting whenever the Lord sometimes wants us to teach on a subject or share or impart wisdom on a subject he makes us go through that before totally. so We'd my year of perseverance 2018 yeah um and so I would say perseverance was taught to me a lot in 2018 um and uh and I didn't realize how resilient we as humans can be until one of those seasons um and equally having to learn the importance of having community, having people around you. You know, I talk about having pneumonia and how I had people around my bed praying and doing communion and taking the blood of Jesus while I'm throwing up my own. <laughs> like it was just, yeah. it wasn't yeah. a pretty sight. It's, that's the reality of the guttural grit of what we have to go through. And, you know, I was, I was feeling very hopeless about certain things. I didn't have a husband. I wasn't married. I started to really go on this trajectory of like, I don't have anyone here for me and I'm really lonely. And what, um, what I realized is if we can just persevere through those seasons with community, with sometimes everything is removed on purpose so that we just have our time with the Lord. And it's not because the Lord's removing them from us, but it's an opportunity for recognizing, oh, we can actually gain so much amazing wisdom and faithfulness in this season and it's only that season that we get to learn that muscle we can't get it in a favored season yeah um it's a different muscle then yeah it's in those moments isn't it where you you say when you're relying on the faith and the strength of the of our friends of our community around us when we're really weak we so need each other and it's in those moments where everything is gone you realize where you're actually truly at internally you know what is going on in the condition of your heart and um yeah the lord really does a deep work there hey yeah. and it's also very easy to you know i was reading an awful lot about joseph over that time and you know, it'd be referenced about the Lord was with him. And I'm like, but he's in prison right now. How could, you know, and we'd often find favorable circumstances would mean that the Lord was with us, you know, mm-hmm. but actually the Lord's with us in the most heinous of times. And I, of course he is, but sometimes we miss it because we're conditioning our understanding of what the Lord with us looks like by favor, rather than going that he's with me in this moment. And if I can actually just pull on his strength in this way and not go, what are you not doing? But what are you doing in this season? Then I was watching how Joseph was still so faithful, regardless of being put into captivity. And in fact, I think he would have been executed if it hadn't been for his integrity and his nobility by Potiphar. Yes. Um, and the accusation that had happened from his wife. I think yeah. he, I, I mean, it would have been an, ex- an execution offence. So yeah. the, the Lord was with him because he actually saved his life and just put him into prison yeah. for a part. But still yeah. he's prophesying on people. And I was so inspired by Joseph that was still looking to serve other people, even in a time that he could have got where I was going, which was victim. Oh, where is me? Why isn't anything working out? You know, it's, it's a very easy road to go down. And I think I needed inspiring stories. I needed people that were in oppression that were facing a lot of adversity um you know i was reading even with racial reconciliation the irony was i was reading so much about martin luther king in 2008 2019 
And then obviously I think everything starts kicking off in America 2020. Um, so already I was aware of the power of uh, his ability to choose noble acts in times where he, the, easier, the easier road would have been to revenge and to partake in the riots. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah extraordinary was, wisdom. Yes. Was there a moment, I mean, obviously you're talking about the process in the book of, of, of the transformation that's going on inside of you. Um, was there a moment where you just reached the end? You were so overwhelmed, but you were also so aware of your inner world and you went, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to now shift and and reflect you, Jesus. You know, where you, yeah. there was a point. Yeah, I, it's funny actually, because towards the end of that, that particular year, 2018, I think it was November, I've got it down in my diary, of what date it was. I remember it was 7.55 a.m. And I don't normally, no, it was 7.05 a.m. And I remember going, I don't normally wake up this early. <laughs> at, least, at least at that time. I'm waking up that time now. But my bed was physically shaking and I thought we were in an earthquake. That's, what, that's how strong it felt. And um, my bedroom door was open and I could see down the corridor and see that the books and everything in the other room down the, corridor while I'm shifting and moving like my room and uh and it went on for about five ten seconds and then stopped and I realized the actual physical entity of the shaking in my bed wasn't an earthquake but it was the Lord waking me up and wow. um and I don't mean just it was a it, this is a time to shift and shake and I'm shaking yeah. all the foundations quite literally in your yeah. life to recognize that um, I need you. The calling that I've had on your life was much is is a calling that actually requires you to face a huge amount of adversity. This is why you've actually gone through an awful lot of stuff that you have. You built your character. And so every time I go through adversity, I see it now as an opportunity to build my character. Yes. And also with building character we then get to reflect the gospel in a way that a lot of people are going, how did you respond like that when I wouldn't have responded like that? Um, yeah. I got inspired by people that made the choice rather than gave in to the emotions and the feelings and the, yeah, but I deserve the entitlement, the, um, yeah. you know, and I think even as Christians, like, no, but we're Christians, so we should have a good, nice life. Right. <laughs> That's right, what right. we're, you know, and of course we have fullness of his joy. But I, I think sometimes we don't recognize the, the power and the resilience and the tenacity that the Lord's built in us, the courage and the boldness that he's built in us. Yeah. And so the shaking was a real moment for me. Oh, and that's yeah. when I knew I needed to start. Yeah. That, and there have been a couple of times where, yeah, where pastors just sort of said, it's time for you to write the book. And I was actually going, no, I'm not qualified for it. You know, I don't, I'm, I only want to preach what I feel like I've got authority in. I thought well, I've got an authority. <laughs> when you derived, you did not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I'll be at eighty-five years of age, and, and I'll probably wear a small like I'll, I can see myself at eighty-five wearing a turban and holding a cane and sitting on a lovely velvet <laughs> like, chair. I am now <laughs> nobility. <laughs> I'm now finally I've arrived, and I can share with you my eighty-five years of experience. <laughs> so it's just like this part of. It's just desperate to, to you know, and it was just, it was just an ego thing, honestly. It was this, I, I'm, I was disqualifying myself because I was so worried about the, the, the getting it wrong. I was worried, and I, you know, I do get these things wrong. So, um, the humility of being okay with getting it wrong and and not getting it right 
um, is actually one of the most profound lessons. And so uh, yeah. this, this when I change the ability from not being perfect to just an excellence of moral beings, then in that mm, journey, we can, we can start apologizing. A.W. Tozer calls it the excellence of moral beings. A lot of people, yeah. especially in America, thought that it was about being royal because nobility and noblemen are always seen as the sort of aristocratic side of things. But I'm like, no, yeah. this is actually about the character is actually building and you hear people go well that was very noble of you um and i'm like we're losing that word in our vocabulary if we're not careful yeah. it's and being redefined we, yeah uh, we yeah. yeah i mean um, i love the way you express in the book as well that you know nobility really is is also about reflecting the nature of the of god of who he is and yeah. obviously we're wow. made in his image and as as believers we have the privilege of being filled with his spirit so we actually in those moments it's not just about our own aspiration to reveal his goodness but yeah. it's actually about the supernatural capacity to be able to you know in that moment yeah. of surrender like you say you know each each moment whether it's I love the story you share about a beautiful young woman who gave her pair of tennis shoes her trainers away to a homeless woman that didn't have any shoes you know in that moment in the pouring rain she chose to express the heart of God you know and it was sacrificial obviously in that moment to her but but she did it and it changed a life you know and it's like giving a stopping and like Heidi Baker says stopping for the one you know in front of you in that moment just a smile you touch you touch a life, you put, you, you clothe them again with dignity, you know, in that moment. Yeah. It's so, I mean, and I love as well what you've said. I think that's so important in ch- instead of becoming a victim and, you know, sitting there in your pain, you chose to be inspired. You chose to study the life, the detail of the normal people that have changed the world. You know, there were all the, we all come into this world, don't we? And we're human beings. And then, you know, by the choices we make and the strength of God within us, you know, we our lives become become vehicles of transformation. You know, it's um, but I think that's imp- I think that's very powerful to study the characteristics of those that have yeah. become no- true nobility. You know, so tell yeah. me, tell me, tell me. So I just could keep talking, talking to you for ages, and we don't have very long left. Oh, but tell me what you found when you studied the life of people like Martin Luther and Gandhi and, you know, William Wilberforce and other great reformers that we know of, the famous reformers and others, you know, more hidden, when you looked at their lives, were there common characteristics? Did you, did you draw from them something that was similar in each life that really changed you? Yeah, I, well, it's interesting. I, I, the, if we're talking about the famous ones for being noble, because of course that was the other thing is everyone thought that nobility was a, a sort of supernatural gift that we're given. And it's only to the, the short few, like a Mother Teresa, you know. But actually I realised, oh no, I see nobility. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, the enormity of nobility is upon you. Um, <laughs> we're going to impart I, that one at the end, oh, so don't worry. <laughs> Aunt Susan that would take care of the tea and coffee at the the local church were as noble as the ones I'd been reading in books and and 
So what I wanted to look at is what is it that makes us as a community look to that person and go, that person's a very noble person. Well, above all, they cared about other people. I know that sounds like a very basic, simple thing to do, but they generally did care about other people. On top of that, their own adversity, um, you know, Gandhi and what he faced, Martin Luther King and what he faced, Mother Teresa and, and her sacrifice and what she experienced when she was younger as a, as a woman, they all took on the very pains and adversity of what they face and molded it into a space of like, but my pain could be somebody else's gain. And it was that in itself. And this is why people get nervous about nobility too, because they're like, well, I don't have that calling on my life. I've had a pretty cushy life. And I'm like, but that's absolutely fine. We've still got spaces to be noble, but the characteristics are manifested and amplified in these people that have a much harder life. So William Wilberforce, um, you know, even though he had been born into wealth, um, established, I don't know whether you've ever looked into William Wilberforce and the things that he did, but he didn't just establish, um, you know, the abolition of the slave trade. He also established so many different nonprofits, everything from the RSPCA. I don't know whether you know that. I didn't. But he know actually that. cared about the cruelty of So all of these wow. different nonprofits were actually started by one guy. Wow. And, uh, you know, and he had a crow in his house that couldn't fly. I didn't know if you knew that, but that he I had knew a that crow one. that flies. <laughs> Yeah, his I house was full of animals, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Full of animals that are just needing, you know, shelter because they can't take yeah. care of themselves. And so it, he just embodied this desperate. And I think that's what happens when we completely surrender to the abundance of his gaze on us. Yeah. And the, I'm just going to bother you because I'm trying to navigate my life on my own. It's a really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and when he just starts to gaze on us, then we overflow with his love. So then makes us, we stop looking in the inward at our own pain. And also we actually have the bravery and the courage to face the pain. I don't yeah. really believe in gliding over the pain quickly by fixing it with a scripture. I actually think pain is there for us to recognize as a problem. And mm -hmm. we bring the problem to our Lord. We confront it, we navigate it. And we actually get rid of that thing much quicker because we finally confronted it rather than hide behind our religion, hide behind our faith. We actually bring mm -hmm. it to him. And so mm -hmm. what I noticed is that these people are actually really good at deal dealing with pain. And I do actually recognize as well, there are certain flaws in the people that I've mentioned as well. And why, what happened with those flaws? Why did they happen? You know, um, mm. and I think, again, it's because we weren't in a culture at that time. We're getting better. We weren't in a culture at the time that actually celebrated the ability to process pain well. Um, so the characteristics, I list them, don't I, in the book of these sort of seven different virtues of um, righteousness and self-sacrifice, integrity, humility, wisdom, courage, and, um, you know, love being one of the main ones. And I, I finished, I sort of collated all of these similar characteristics between all of these different people. And, you know, right. you see my whiteboard at home and covered mm. with. So you drew, you drew those from your observations, did you? They were the consistent yeah. ones that you put in your book. Yeah. Brilliant. I, didn't I had that. index cards of all of the listings of all of the different things. So I had index cards of humility and integrity, courage, wisdom. And before I knew it, I had these seven, seven main virtues that you need. They all wear a carousel with each other. You couldn't really be noble without one, without the other, other if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can be generous, but you may not be 
self-sacrifice because you might be very wealthy <laughs> but yes. what is it like when you haven't got any money in your bank account you know so yes. it was a case of the noble nobility is always a cost for us and and I've got somewhere in my home I've got a, a quote that just says let it cost you something because the cost is so much more beautiful to be rewarded in heaven and and there is such a, a reward you can hear a cloud of witnesses celebrating when you when they see a cost that you made that actually multiplies this, this butterfly effect of goodness and kindness um yeah. and so okay. it, it's it's a it's a study it's and like you say a movement but it's a study and if we can keep start to keep each other accountable of making noble gestures as yeah. opposed to doing the writer one thing then um yeah. then it's more inspiring it's more fun yeah. it's more adventurous it is it is and i love the fact that you know it's about fundamentally you say it's about being authentic authentically caring about people you know and moving the heart of god with the with the choices that we make i mean every moment of kindness we're we're collaborating with him in the expression of his goodness aren't we and we're moving his heart and then we get filled with more of his love which compels us on even further and the whole experience is fulfilling you know he's liberating and fulfilling yeah. and transformational and is actually the invitation that you extend in the book to the way of life we were created to live anyway. But I just think this is a practical roadmap in from what you've discovered through your own journey, through your own pain this far. So it's amazing. So in just in finishing, we've got about a minute left. Would you, is there anything that you would just encourage the family watching all over the world to, that they can do as a practical next step? If, you know, they're in the midst of tremendous difficulty right now, you know, to get them to get them to move forward in this life of operating in the beauty of who Jesus is and nobility of Christ. I think um, I think the thing that I would suggest, and it's funny as you were saying and asking that question, I felt the words, it's time to get inspired. Ooh, and yes. we've got enough time to be inspired right now. Um, and not distracted. Inspired is different to being distracted. So yeah. it's time to get inspired, inspired by other people's stories, by history, historic accounts of where people gave up some beautiful things, but gained so much more from the sacrifice of it. Um, it's time to, to be inspired by connecting with each other in community. And it's time to be inspired by how do we personally want to grow and, and equally try to, even though it's hard to catch the Lord off guard with the things that we're choosing to do in noble acts of kindness. Um, and there's a substance to it. So seeking substance rather than performance is probably the most impactful thing of my life in the journey of discovering nobility. Um, and the more you're curious about it, the more the Lord shows you people in your life like that. And so I've been so blessed by my meeting and, and being inspired by the people. As soon as I got hungry, and you'll know this too, I'm sure, Liz, every time you get hungry on a subject, the Lord just starts lifting and opening all these different stories yeah. and different people in your life. You're like, wow, yeah. I had no idea. It was yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Carrie, thank you so much for being on today. You are an inspiration, oh, honestly. So Oh, it's so, are so you. good. Oh, thank you. It's goes so good to spend time with you. And thank you all for giving us your precious time today. I'm sure you loved everything that we've just talked about. And where, Carrie, just in finishing really quickly, where can people find you if they want to get a copy of the book, if they want to look at, you know, get just connect with you? How do they do that? 
Yeah, um, you can get, get the copy Amazon or Barnes & Noble, all great bookstores. Great. Um, so and also, okay, good. Yeah, and then Live is my website as well. So I think you can get it through there as well. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, and then I have podcasts and Patreon accounts, talks about these things all the time. So if you don't want Fantastic. to buy the book necessarily, but want to hear, the process, and it's hear a little bit more of you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, no, it's a total joy being with you. And thank you all and have the most amazing week and look forward to being with you all again next week. God bless. Bye.